0: Hello and welcome to Bayhem, the Michael Bay Talk Film Society Retrospective, covering the films of Michael Bay. I'm your co-host, Marcelo Pico, and with me as always on this adventure, on this Bay-Venture, is uh, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, what's up? Hey, it's going great.
1: And also here, Diego. Hey, Diego. Hello, I'm so happy to be back again. I feel like our breaks between recordings are getting longer. Not to tell the viewers or listeners everything, but uh, I always feel like I'm coming home to record. <laughs> uh, how long has it been now? I've been I've been trying to
0: think about that before uh, we started recording. Like, how long has it been now? This whole process of recording these episodes. When did we start? It's like uh, I have to go back and check letterboxed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, like- it's been a while. The- the beginning of summer, right? at least?
1: yeah, it was, it was yeah. a couple months ago.
0: yeah, months and months ago cuz i think back then when we started this, uh listeners, i, th- I think we even said this uh, in the in the earlier episodes, we weren't sure when exactly six underground michael Bay's new movie was going to come out. we were wondering that. we thought maybe there was going to be a summer release. it was not. summer passed. and now it's it's confirmed to be a december release. um and now We get word here, uh, I guess a peek behind the curtain, September 29th is when we're recording this. We just got word that Michael Bay himself said, hey, the trailer for Six Underground, a movie (laughs) we hope truly exists, uh, but weren't sure. Uh, The trailer's coming out on October 1st. So, yes, it's happening. Things are moving. Uh, I'm sure we'll get an official release date on on Tuesday, on October 1st, once the trailer hits. But, yes,
2: it's all happening. I watched bad boys on april 7th oh wow so <laughs> it, it looks like i mean yeah i mean six months now coming up on six six months six months what a journey yeah. what what a journey
0: uh, <laughs> it's almost over kind of yeah i mean we have we have uh today's episode covers 13 hours <laughs> then we have transformers the last night mm-hmm. and then six underground mm-hmm. in december Yeah, be it. Wow, wow, what a a ride it's been, guys. What a ride! Also,
1: uh, fun fact 13 hours is almost the 13th film in Michael Bay's filmography. (laughs) It's almost the 13th, almost (laughs) (laughs) making the stretch here. (laughs) Okay, so, uh,
0: well, how have you guys been? Honestly, it's been like a month since we talked, right? We, uh, the last one we discussed was that Transformers movie that I slept through yep. and, and did a disservice to and podcasted about. But since then, yeah, we, we've we been trying to record, but it hasn't lined up. I ended up at Fantastic Fest for a week. Got sick. Luckily, I'm healthy now. Here to talk about 13 Hours. But yeah, how have you guys, how have you guys been in the last month or so? Mike, how have you been?
2: Oh, pretty good. I went to... Orlando and saw the Star Wars land that was cool. Oh. I had some blue milk and uh rode the millennium falcon and uh then i I went to um l a and I got to see gemini man and high frame rate on the paramount whoa. lot that was pretty cool
0: wait a second well, I, yeah I whoa this. whoa
1: you didn't talk <laughs> about that before the show.
0: right wait wait a second okay i <laughs> i i don't know because like diego and mike were were having off my conversation and then i jumped it out so wait you didn't bring this up at all
2: earlier before we recorded mike oh, I, I didn't no <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that's you're, the coolest you're, thing ever. You're, you're going
2: to have to talk about it right now, okay? <laughs> okay. And, and keep
0: in mind, this episode releases
2: after, well yes, after yes, Gemini Man embargo, comes out. So, yeah, yeah. After the
0: embargo. So, now so now you're free. This has all, so all of a sudden become a Gemini Man segment mm-hmm. in the middle of the Michael Bay episode of, on 13 Hours. But I think it all makes sense.
2: Well, it's, yeah. Bruckheimer and, I mean, it's it's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Bruckheimer and Will Smith, you know? I mean, the bad boys team. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, Okay. You saw it in high frame rates. Yeah, 3D, high frame rate pretty sure it was laser so, projection on the Paramount lot, so like the best projection you'll
0: see. The pristine, the most yeah. pristine way to see it. Was it 120 frames per second?
2: 60, 60. Oh, just 60, okay. It's a, and I mean, just so that you are aware, not that anyone else will care, because the movie will be way gone from theaters by this point, but um, <laughs> all of the 3D show, if you see it in 3D, it'll be in 60 frames a second. And if you see it in 2D, ah. it'll be 24 frames a second. So. Go see it in 3D because it looks cool, especially the action scenes. And um, yeah,
0: I, I see. Yeah, because I had a uh, thought about that because I'm seeing it at a press screening like in a week and a half, in, and I was worried. 3D, there, I'm sure, right? I'm sure. Yeah, because I was worried that I was going to go well the press screening theater is a dingy little theater and I was like, are they gonna have the right equipment to show this? Are they gonna be upgraded? But no, if it's in three D then it'll be sixty frames. So yeah. I'll be fine, right? They're yeah, calling
2: okay, they're calling it three D plus. Oh Jesus Christ. More <laughs> names for things. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, okay, your your thoughts on this Gemini man in 3D high frame rate, Mike.
2: I want to know the 3D high frame rate is awesome. You know, I mean, I mean, I I like it. I mean, there's, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about how like, oh, it does, it looks fake, the soap opera thing, whatever. I mean, to me, it's that's just like a hump that we need to get over because objectively speaking, it is better than 24 frames a second, and the only reason why people think it looks fake is because of how we've been hardwired because of every single movie we've ever seen. But if we can get past that, then, you know, this is a really cool thing that, you know, movies can do. So, I'm all for it. And uh I thought it looked really cool, especially the action sequences and everything. Um I would definitely recommend seeing it in that format. So There you, there go. you go. Yeah. And yeah, like Mike said earlier, we're releasing this in, in December. Right. Uh, and by F- by by, the by this point, it's already gone. <laughs> Maybe it'll be the next uh, Avatar, and it will still yeah, be
0: playing. Yeah, it'll still be playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, because I am completely, like, I'm interested in this tech. I am. And I trust Ang Lee. But I don't know about the movie itself, whether it'll be good. <laughs> so, um,
2: it, it's cool. It's cool. It's <laughs> cool. That's all I need to say. It's the say. best Jerry Bruckheimer movie in years. Well, that's
0: saying something. Now I'm trying to take of I'll take it. I'll take it. What is it? What it he's done. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so that's so okay. So top that, Diego. <laughs> Mike oh. went to LA. Went to the Paramount lot to see Gemini Man and High Frame Rate. What What have
1: you done lately, Diego? Well, I didn't hang out with Mike in LA. so I just feel the necessity to bring up. No, no, I get it. You know, no, no, no,
2: no. Ah. I you know it, it, it. I was. I didn't know. Like like from day to day, I'm like I don't know what I can do. You know, like they no, had me I, on I like get, buses and nonstop. Up in
1: the I genuinely don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, i it was I'm genuinely afraid of what could go wrong in my life <laughs> what am i what am i doing yeah yeah happen. um
2: it, it was no, a I had end a... Of, of stuff you know so sorry but <laughs> next time when i'm there in january definitely bad boys oh, a- 3.
1: absolutely I'll, okay. I'll hold you to it uh, for right. bad boys three definitely. and uh, i celebrated a birthday oh hey happy yeah.
0: birthday happy yeah, thank birthday. you thank you
1: so that that was a lot of fun uh a, a bunch of stuff up in the air with some work projects that I'm getting done for the upcoming months that I'm very excited and happy about. Uh, This will definitely also come out after Gemini Man, but I (laughs) just got uh, approval for LA Comic Con. I'll be going there with a a panel of co-hosts for Mm -hmm. my uh, podcast, The Waffle Press. We'll be talking about Superhero movies, and it'll be the last superhero related thing I talk about for the rest of my life. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. But I'm looking forward to doing that because last year that That's was awesome. a surprising success. So, awesome. That's yeah.
0: awesome, man. Yeah, great. It's, We've all been doing fantastic personally, uh, professionally, and it's all been leading up to this <laughs> us talking about 13 hours, the secret soldiers of Benghazi. <laughs> <laughs> Released on January fifteenth, twenty sixteen. Oh boy, where do we start? Um, well, at, you, going, you know, what we could yeah, start with.
2: We could start with. Do you guys remember the world premiere of this movie? No, no, I don't. Please, actually. please re- remind me. They had the world premiere open to the public. Anybody who wanted to go could go to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium and oh, watch it right. on their giant scoreboard and apparently way more people showed up than they thought and they had to put people in the upper deck but they had only designed the sound for people in the lower deck so all the people upstairs couldn't hear anything and apparently it was a crazy time there was some guy online who was like I live in Dallas do I dare go and he went and like live tweeted the whole thing and it was pretty hilarious but um, yeah I completely forgot that happened. Mm.
0: And I am not surprised. Um,
1: (laughs) That that sounds like a beautiful, perfect disaster. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I have a fun fact about this movie that is not really like, it's not some big secret. Like, it's available on the Wikipedia page. But uh, this is an Academy Award nominated film. Yes. And I just think that's cool because Michael Bay doesn't get a lot of those. But, no.
2: but it's also academy an Academy Award-nominated film where one of the nominees had his nomination taken away from him for illegally campaigning for the movie.
0: <laughs> Wait. I, love, I love all this, to start with. <laughs> this is not surprising in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, so yeah there you go there you go (laughs) props (laughs) to that guy who got his name taken off the nomination (laughs) and props to everybody who saw this in the Dallas Cowboy Theater Yep. Um, oh boy 13 hours so yeah let's go around and, and talk about our first time watching this where were you in January 2016 I just realized I was going through a rough time I think David Bowie was going to die, or had just died or something, <laughs> in January 2016, and it was, at, it was at the start of a roller coaster of a year in my life that I will never forget. But hey, I ended up seeing 13 hours amongst that carnage, so um, I'll just say real quick, I, okay, I'll start with my first reactions, then we'll go around. When I first learned that Michael Bay was doing this, I was worried, obviously, because fucking Benghazi, 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 Benghazi. <laughs> And I'm like, why would Michael Bay want to do a Benghazi movie? <laughs> <laughs> why? <laughs> uh, and and, and I, I, I went on this like, little like rant. I forget which episode it was, but I was trying to nail down Michael Bay's uh, uh, political stance, right? And I put him in a category of like, he's just very pro military, but I don't see him as being as like, a very, like, I don't see him as being extremely right wing. Maybe he's kind of curving towards the right, but I see him more as, like, in the center, okay? <clears throat> and then I, I, I still have I, – I, I, I still hold this belief about him. I held it back when the, this news broke that he was doing this. I'm like, why? 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 So, I had mixed feelings going in, and then coming out of it, the first time I watched, I'm like, okay, you know what? It works. The movie works, okay? It manages to <laughs> not be a grand political statement like I, were, like I was worried it was going to be. And it's, it, it goes to Michael Bay's belief that, yes, yeah, soldiers are cool and should be honored. And it's that kind of movie to me. It works on that level. And after seeing it again, I'll say, yeah, I think it still works on that level. I could talk more about why I like this movie. But yes, I was worried coming in first time watching it. And I came out thinking, okay, yeah, you know what? He pulled it off. It wasn't the right-wing propaganda film I was worried going to be. So, yes, that's,
2: that, that's me. At thirteen hours, Do you, you remember uh, my, like everyone at the time calling it Baygazi.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I, actually, I don't remember
1: that. <laughs> I still kind of call it that, but not <laughs> mockingly. Not I just feel like it's first. easier to get the point across. You know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, the Begazi movie. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> then easy to put two and two together from there. <laughs> um, well, uh,
2: Mike, what, what about you? Your first time watching it, and subsequently watching it now. Yeah, I mean, like, I will always, always, always be excited about the new Michael Bay movie. And, you know, this one, you know, after four Transformers movies, I was like, I am so glad that he's doing an original thing. And I love the idea of it being like a true story, you know, the idea of him doing recent historical uh, fiction, I get. Uh, yeah, that's uh, recent historical fiction. And, um, you know, the, the idea of, like, uh, taking that style, that Michael Bay style and maybe toning it down ever so slightly in order to tell, like, a serious story. Like, I, th- that really appealed to me. And I was a little worried because it was a, an election year and all the rest of it, right? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. ah. mm. But I was still like... I can't wait for this movie. I have to see it as soon as humanly possible. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, I, I did not see it opening night. I had to wait and see it the next day. Um, I, I feel like they didn't do... Pre- whatever, it doesn't matter. And I, there weren't that many people there, but I was super-duper excited. And I came out thinking, like, that was fine. It It, it did not blow me away. It's teetering on being bad but i'd still say it was decent that was my reaction at the time
0: there yeah. you go at the time um which fair mike fair um yeah.
1: diego what about you uh i saw this movie the very first time i ever did something i call diego palooza i just want to take a day out <laughs> of the year and just catch up with a bunch of movies i'll like i will do nothing all day. It's honestly kind of depressing if I didn't have the most fun thing in the world, like time in the world doing it, uh, where I saw, I, I saw like neighbors two, um, a bunch of other stuff. And then I think I ended the day with 13 hours, like, because it had just come out like on digital. Right. And so I was like, yeah, Like, like a friend had a copy of it. Like they, they really liked it. And they were telling me like, Oh, it's kind of like Michael Bay's Michael Mann movie. And then another Twitter pal of mine had mentioned the same thing. And I was like, this is a very specific take I've heard from two very different people. I'm going to see what this is all about. And I saw it and I didn't know that uh, Dion Beeb was the cinematographer. And I was just like, Oh yeah, I'm buckled up. I'm ready. <laughs> and it's, I thought it was solid and it wasn't like, I think we all had the same fears going into it <laughs> given the, the very real controversies around this and, who is currently in the White House and took advantage of that, but I, I didn't think it was like some linguistic like assault on like on on anyone in particular. I think it's actually trying to be a political a little bit in a way that is maybe harmful to the subject matter. Hmm. But I was very surprised by almost the hear me out, don't turn off the podcast. <laughs> almost the meditative nature of the film (laughs) for a Michael Bay movie. I found that very different in a good way. Um, you know what? It's very much about, about the soldiers first and foremost, and maybe to the film's detriment. So I was, I liked it, but I wasn't blown away
0: by it. I'm, I'm holding my cards close to the chest here. Um, I'll say this might be my second favorite Bay movie overall. Um, that's, that's a big revelation. Um, after, after I think, see, <clears throat> this is hard because I think at uh, when we talk about pain and gain, I think I said that was my number one. So um, ask me again on the next episode, and I'll give you a a, a a firm ranking. But in the in the in the top spots, it'll be like either pain and gain or the rock, and then maybe this jumping in at two or three. You know that that's what's battling up there for me. Uh, Cause yeah, I that whole what you just mentioned, Diego, the meditative state. I was rewatching it tonight, and I'm like, wow, like this is not what I have come to expect from Michael Bay. Just soldiers, like on the brink of death, just talking about what's going on. Like <laughs> the uh, I think it's John Krasinski just has a little. Moment where he says like I'm I'm here fighting a war I don't understand in a country I don't know, you know my wife is home pregnant, and I'm like yeah like I it, it it's it's rare to see a Michael Bay you know film have quiet moments <laughs> where a character just speaks so eloquently well as well as a soldier does in
1: this movie, and I was impressed I'm like wow yeah this is this is really good Michael Bay good job just really quick coming off of Transformers four which. I don't think any of us were very kind to. Um, <laughs> no. Like, that's a movie where, like, all the quiet quote unquote moments are just, like, used for exposition or, like, you gotta do something funny to keep the audience interested. And here are the quiet moments, like you said, Marcelo, they're, like, very human. Yeah. Which is, like, shocking, <laughs> I guess. It's honestly very
0: shocking. <laughs> now, you know, now that I, uh, Rewatched it again tonight. I'm glad I did because it it cemented for me this being near the top of his work because it's 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 what he was been it's what he's been trying to get at for the last few movies. I, I mentioned this many times before. He's very pro soldier, pro not pro military of but pro soldier. And man, I, I'm sure he grasped at this not really not realizing the full potential of making a Benghazi movie in 2016. But when he saw the, the 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 plot he's like okay fine I'll follow these soldiers and I'll make this movie about them and forget any political ramifications this may have I just want to tell that story so I see where he came from and I think he succeeds on that front making a soldier story there you go
2: <laughs> um, Mike what about <laughs> how how are you taking this Mike <laughs> um you know I I think I I agree with what you're saying in the sense that like you look at these Transformers movies and they're so over the top that he has, he has no restraint with the characters. And I like the idea of him making a movie where the characters actually feel like real people, you know, yeah, like real human beings and not just caricatures. And that I think works really well. And I, I think that, uh, Like, he's so good at action, but putting that level of restraint on himself to say, like, whatever I do has to be realistic. It can't be super-duper crazy insane over the top. I think that that creates, like, a really interesting style. And, uh, you know, as far as, like, shooting a realistic action scene, like, from a, a war... I think that he's kind of unmatched, right? I mean, yeah. what he does here is perfect. But I do think that, uh, I, I don't know, there, there, I, I definitely, I mean, while, while it's not super crazy, it's not, you know, to the point of being, um, you know, irredeemable or whatever, like, I do think that there is, a political agenda here, which, you know, to be fair, I mean, I don't have a problem with movies with political agendas. It's just that I usually prefer the ones where I agree with the politics. You, you know what I mean? And and yeah. I thought about that a lot while, while I was watching this movie. Like, okay, you know, am I just projecting my own personal biases onto this? But then again, is that a bad thing to do? I don't know. But, you know, you kind of look at like any point at which there is maybe a question as to what really happened, and every single time it seems like he goes with whatever Fox News thinks mm, happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's a little, eh, but I still think that it's a good movie and I would say that I liked it more this time than, than the first time that I saw it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're kind of dancing around, well, we've mentioned the political stuff, but we haven't gotten into into it deep. I kind of don't want to. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's like a mess, but again, like watching this for the first time, I re- I was really focused on like how it would handle the subject matter and whether Hillary Clinton's name would be mentioned or if it would be a a an attack on on like how she handled things. But I don't think they mentioned her at all, right? They just mentioned the government or whoever, like, you know, just just Uh, dc was portrayed as like a far far off place um yeah and i'll I'll give that i give him props for that for doing for handling that way because they could have easily gone you know the 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 extreme pointed route but they were like very like uh uh, uh, generic like government government bad government bad Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, i don't know (laughs) but there are moments that played like yes like you're saying mike like Fox news propaganda. There are a few of them. I'll I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, it I I didn't end up seeing that special feature on the DVD about, you know, making this movie like a a, a more centrist take on it. I don't know if I mean they did their best. <laughs>
2: I mean but they they did their best but at the same time just the idea of, you know, the physical act of making this movie. That's true. In 2016 that in itself is a political statement. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, um, And I saw proof of that when I saw it <clears throat> I, I I looked it up. David Bowie died a week ago. Before I saw this, <laughs> I I don't know why that that sticks with me. But January was a weird year. Uh, January twenty sixteen was a weird month, I should say, in that year. Um, but anyway, a week after David Bowie died, I sat down to watch this. I remember it vividly. I was like, okay, I'm seeing this. You know, Benghazi movie directed by, by Michael Bay. Let's do this. And next to me, they were old white people who were just completely into it. Oh, okay. I remember this. There's a woman, like two seats down, two or three seats down, who was like on the verge of cheering. Uh, She was like chiming in with like little, little things like, yes, get him. Come on, do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And at the end she was in tears. So, and then, and then she came out, I overheard her. It may be her or one of her friends saying that was the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah. So yeah, it it, it, it it found its audience that way. Um, I could not escape that. But again, I I don't know. I came out of it worried, but I was like, okay, fine. Um, it may play big with that demographic. Um, and maybe I'm just picking and choosing what I want to take in with this movie. <laughs> uh, so it's a weird it's a weird Venn diagram of like Fox News watchers. And Michael Bay cinema lovers, <laughs> and I'm like I'm like right <laughs> in the Those middle. Those
2: two circles are like right on top of <laughs> No, no. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> uh,
0: I don't think there's a as big of overlap as 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 you want to see there, okay. Mike. Okay, give give me some credit. Give us some credit. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, uh, Diego, do you have any more thoughts on the political ramifications that this movie has or had?
1: Yeah, maybe maybe the fact that it is trying to, like, ride a line instead of just, like, telling a story. I do think that that does, like, hurt the narrative a little bit because the the situation is obviously very complicated, but a certain party of people certainly use that to their political advantage in the year of, uh, of the election year of 2016, which, as we all know, turned out not great, for anyone with a soul. So um, So,
0: are you saying, Diego,
1: I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're saying
0: 13 hours the secret soldiers of Benghazi got Trump elected as president.
1: (laughs) Oh, God, no, no, no. no, (laughs) That's not (laughs) I'm saying. I'm just saying that, like, uh, the act of not, like, of not taking a stance is still, like, a a stance in and of itself, I guess. Yeah, I get that. maybe, maybe, Maybe that's... That makes it a little more right than left,
0: <laughs> See, and, so, so to speak. And I'm giving it all this credit for being centrist, so just imagine if Michael Bay went for it. And I don't know, I honestly don't know his political
1: linings, like, I, 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 concretely, I don't know. I, I just, I find myself thinking about that a lot. I'm like, how much could we, nowadays, like, do we owe to ourselves to, like, support things that are maybe a little better not to get to a whole thing yeah. about other well, films coming out this year but like <laughs> just uh just just be proactive and like think about what you're consuming and don't don't feel bad if something is like has a has a nasty message and you find yourself enjoying it yeah. just we all just got to think about it and talk about it. Yeah.
2: It, it is something which I've been struggling with a lot and a lot more recently than in the past like the idea of can like a movie which is incredibly enjoyable or whatever like if it has a message which is maybe and I'm not saying this is the case with 13 hours I'm just talking in general but if it has a message which is maybe for some reason or another like immoral like can it still be a good movie I mean it's it's just a weird thing right and I don't know the answer to it at all and it it's it's hard to to figure that out, and it's really messing with my uh, letterboxed entries because uh, I don't know <laughs> how many stars to give these movies, you know. But it's it's definitely a an interesting question, like as a movie watcher, and maybe maybe trying to rank things or say you know put you know a, a absolute good or bad you know. Uh, whatever values on them are, is is kind of a dumb thing to do, uh, but you know that 's what we do and it's it 's interesting i don 't know whatever
0: maybe it 's because and I like this tangent because yeah it, it is playing to thirteen hours but i 'm having trouble right now, maybe something will come up come to mind but i 'm having trouble right now um, coming up with an a, an example of that mike do, do you have an example you can say of something you 've seen that you're, like, yeah, you 're like you don 't know how to rank because of that moral uh, a point it makes at the end?
2: I, I do have an example, but I signed a pretty strict NDA. So. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. So right. We'll save that conversation for off mic. <laughs> <Okay>. Frozen 2. <laughs> frozen 2. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, one that kind of comes to mind, that's not exactly what... You know, it's not exactly what we're talking about, but maybe the stuff that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood says, some of it, I don't, you know, necessarily agree with politically, even though I love the ending. So, yeah, so that's one I can think of that kind of skews morally in a way I don't like, but I admire it and I actually love the movie. So that's one
2: I could think of. That is a really good example, you know. Even if it's not just, even if it's not politically or whatever, I mean, just the idea. I, I mean, you can go back and listen if you want. If you go to Trek FM and pull up Stage Nine, Episode seventy nine eighty somewhere in there, where we did this whole series on Tarantino, we did we did what we're doing here, but with Tarantino, right and like we got to the very end we got to the hateful eight and that's when all of the tarantino like kill bill stuff came out and we're like oh great we've just spent like the past two and a half months talking about how awesome this guy is and how we really really want him to make a star trek movie and now all of a sudden this all comes out and like what's our reaction and our reaction was or at least my reaction was like Of course, I'll go see anything that Tarantino does, but am I going to get excited about it? I don't really know if I am, you know? I mean, like, has he crossed the line? I I don't know. And, you know, we've had lots of time to process that, but that's still, like, in the back of my mind while watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And just the idea of him still kind of like giving polanski a a pass and it's weird you know it's it's a weird experience and it does definitely impact my my opinion of the movie even though i think it's probably the second best movie of the year so far you know for me i think it might be number four
1: um diego where do you put it (laughs) <laughs>
0: uh, just for whatever to put you on the spot.
1: <laughs> no, I, I honestly had the same thing going in. Just uh I had this whole range of emotions mm. after, you know, learning about all that stuff from from the Kill Bill and um obviously not not a direct relation to that, but in the same like field I guess is that, you know, when when the uh, that Weinstein stuff came out, he was he said that, you know, he probably knew more to do more at the time and and didn't. But that he, um, I guess, accepted responsibility for, for maybe not speaking up or whatever, and so this this going into Once Upon a Time Hollywood that I was ready to kind of let go of all my Tarantino fandom, I guess, just kind of like maybe this is like the last rodeo for for me and him. Maybe it's good that he's winding down because I, I maybe I'm not interested in what he has to say like through film anymore. And then I saw the movie and left in tears because in a weird way that also felt like a movie about him for the first time confronting toxic men like in his own work. And I, I think he's trying to communicate through it in a weird way, like not to anyone in particular, just like in his own way, he, he's doing what he can He, he all he knows to do is to make movies and I think he's pretty good at it. And I think he's trying to just communicate like a more empathetic, uh, mature, version of himself that I found very respectful even if not everything in that movie is respectful Yeah, and I think in a weird way Michael Bay kind of made his most mature movie with 13 hours bringing it back I, I th- bring it around
2: I, I think that Michael Bay definitely thinks and I'm going off of nothing other than the movie itself but I'm <sighs> <laughs> I, I would bet that Michael Bay definitely thinks that 13 Hours is his best movie.
0: Mm-hmm. I can see that. Absolutely. And I don't know, maybe by the end of this, I'll say the same thing. I have to maybe <laughs> reevaluate some things. I don't know. I, get, um, I was trying to think back to, well, yeah, I think, I think we covered maybe the political, like moral stuff here. Okay. Unless you want to dig deeper, because I think we've, we've touched on it just enough. It's still very icky. Oh, this is one thing I was gonna—I was leading towards. So, I know, one thing that that kind of saved this for me. I mentioned before that yes, there's some meditative stuff in there, like what Diego was saying, where just soldiers just sit down and just talk about it. But by the end of it, by the end of this movie, it does that thing in war movies I love, where you—it's—it's it's like it's like these guys have just gone through hell. You know, people have died. Main characters have died, and I'm just. In a sense of like, just ah, it's like a perfect anti-war message at the very end. It, I don't necessarily think it's an anti-war movie throughout, but at the very end, that ending gets me. And it's like these soldiers have been through hell, but you don't see them stopping anytime soon. And then in, in the post-credits, you do see like they got out of it. They they're likely living you know better lives. Some of them are, but I think it delivers an anti-war message well in the end. Okay, so I think that's what saves it for me, uh, uh, as a more centrist take on things.
2: Um, it it's weird because like I, I went to this thing one time where <laughs> it was Walter Merch and Jonathan Rosenbaum <laughs> debating <laughs> debating whether or not a, a war movie could be anti-war. Right. And, and Walter Murch is like, of course it can be. You know, what do you think Apocalypse Now was? And, you know, Walter or Jonathan Rosenbaum was like, they use, you know, Apocalypse Now as propaganda. And, you know, you did that in Jarhead yourself, you know, and everything like that. And I don't know, it, I, like, I never thought of that as a thing. Like, I thought, of course, a, a, a war movie could be anti-war. And I still do, but I, anytime, like, I... I'm confronted with that now. I, it's, I don't know. It's a question which I have. Can yeah. it be? I don't well, know.
0: Well, <clears throat> I think it's all, uh, it's, 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 I think it's a person to person sort of thing. I see it as anti-war, but somebody can pick it up. It's like the Fight Club thing. Somebody can pick it yeah. up and use it um, and just misunderstand it or just not misunderstand. Oh, let me step back again. <clears throat> I think we should just ask Michael Bay himself (laughs) whether he wanted this to be an anti-war movie. Because the way I see it, I think eventually it is. But I think other people can pick it up and say, no, it's not.
1: It's it's rough, man. It's rough. (laughs) I think the film doesn't earn that anti-war stuff throughout until the very end. And that's because the ending, I think, is actually quite good. Because leading up to that, it's that military Michael Bay bravado, like, oh the higher ups. They don't they don't know. They don't understand. And like, well I'll actually agree that the government is run by basically a bunch of morons. <laughs> there are good people everywhere, but you know, Jesus guys. Um but it it plays a little weirder here given the circumstances, even though by the end it totally is a film that just hones in on uh, men doing their, their their service to their country they see and it's like, you know, you always hear this phrase, like, let's bring our boys home. And uh, it's like, well, not everyone gets to go home because yeah. uh, not all of them made it out. And like, regardless of everything that led to this moment and this event, that that will always be true, that not all of them get to go home because not everyone like survived. And I think that was a a very strong note to end on for yeah. Not just for a Michael Bay film, but for like uh, like a any film. I think that that kind of lets the film's message um, lean more towards anti-war than just like a tech uh, demo, yeah. as we will discuss with other Michael <laughs> Bay films.
0: Yeah, I, I'll bring this up because this came to mind watching it, um, and it it brought to mind Pearl Harbor, and how I thought in Pearl Harbor. In the director's cut of Pearl Harbor, he, he, it, it almost like he was gleeful, gleefully, um, showing us the acts of war, um, through decapitated heads and explosions. There's certainly that here, but I think the violence does more uh, to deliver a better message. Especially when you have like a soldier whose arm gets nearly blown off and is like just hanging by like sinew. That's insane. And that, that, that tells me more about, like, he could have not done that. He could have just made it like a flesh wound, you know, like, like any other maybe big action movie, like Fast and Furious. I love Fast and Furious movies, by the way. But still, like, they don't get their arms ripped off in those movies. But here he goes for the R rating in a way that, I don't know, I think it's, it's more realistic. <laughs> it's crazy to say, but this is like, yeah, the most realistic violence we've seen Michael Bay do in a movie. And I applaud him for that it's weird for me to say all this
1: But yes i it, it feels kind of like his attempt to do a black hawk down sound yeah
0: like. that's that's the feeling i got
2: yeah. he even got the editor of black hawk down well there you go
0: well there you yeah. there it is <laughs> <laughs> there you go um
2: okay what else can we say about this movie
0: well l- 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 let's talk about the cast um john krasinski comes in
2: who, who apparently they asked everybody in town to do this and they all turned it down
0: <laughs> krasinski <laughs> i guess was was this like the big krasinski turn of him being an action star was was yeah, this I it so. yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah i think he doesn't because the office just ended like when they were like a couple of years before this started shooting and so krasinski you know after a big hit show like that everyone's kind of like all right that'll be part of my life forever Now to not get typecast ever again, (laughs) or, you know, just get whatever, whatever you got to do to, to, to make him the business, you know? But, uh, I, I get the feeling that he does not want to be Jim Halpert the rest of his life and not in like a negative scornful way, just like he's an actor who wants to do different things. So
0: I think so far he's succeeding. I mean, um, quiet place was really good. Uh, I have seen only a few episodes of That Jack Ryan Show, and he's pretty good in it. So
2: That's a good show. Yeah,
0: yeah it's pretty good. Um, so, I like him in this. Uh, he, he got all buff and stuff, and but I mean,
2: <laughs> it, it is true though. Like, and, and I mean, I thought of this as soon as like I started watching Jack Ryan, but like, I, I watched that show with my wife and I was watching 13 Hours and she comes in the room and she's like, Are you watching the new season without me? And I'm like, No, no, this is not related at all. Sorry. Uh, November 1st.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, you were watching 13 Hours. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Um, hmm. It's funny, but he does do. a a a a a jim halpert like take in this movie which i laugh every time it happens like when 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 they say oh like your fake name is like whatever um jack and whatever and he's like my name's my real name's jack and i swear he almost looks into the camera (laughs) (laughs) he has that look anyway but i think he does a well enough well enough job the 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 actor who i love in this is james Batchdale. Yeah. Uh, who I want to see in more things. Every time I see him, I'm so happy. But he—he's the lead. he's—he's oh, he's
1: just terrific. Yeah, I,
0: I, he's like the. By the end, he's definitely the the heart of the movie. You don't realize that through watching it, although he's like very important. He's he he delivers all the exposition. He 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 sets the tone. But yes, by the end, spoiler alert, he dies, and you feel it. And I think that's. Partly due to his great performance in this. So, yes, I love James Batchdale as, uh, as Tyrone Woods in this.
1: I want to give a quick shout out to Max Martini, who doesn't, like, he doesn't get a lot of big starring roles, but he always pops up and stuff. And he's also in Pacific Rim, which is one of my favorite movies of the decade, like, bar none. Um, he did a series a military series ironically enough called The Unit that had some uh, shining moments never I would watch it. <laughs> it it was a fun little show I can't speak to its quality now but he was very good in it uh, he's he, he's all over the place but he's he's really good he's a very reliable sturdy actor and uh, I, I also hope he pops up in more stuff alongside James Badgedale because yeah. they're both very good it's a
0: good collection of um, character actors in this movie
1: yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, what else can we say in about Thirteen Hours that we haven't said already? Guys.
1: Dion Beebe, cinematographer oh, yes. of my life. It looks glorious. I I, I saw this
0: in 4K, uh, 4K disc, and it's one of my favorite discs I get to look at.
1: He's an amazing DP, and it's just so weird that. One of his best working relationships is apparently uh Rob Marshall, who <laughs> just did the Murray Poppins reboot sequel thing uh and he works with Rob Marshall like a bunch of times, and those movies are not good, but he's he's not the problem. but then he'll do like a bunch of Michael Mann crime epics he uh He's really notable for like doing that digital noise that um man like experimented with in collateral and Miami Vice.
2: You, and, you, got, uh, you guys know what else he shot? Oh, I'm looking at Engine it right tomorrow. now. Uh, Gemini Man. Gemini Man. Oh,
1: yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There we go. We're bringing it all home today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, he really likes experimenting like with like digital techniques and stuff like that. Yep. And I just, I'm a huge fan.
2: Well, yeah, that's the thing about him is, like, there's a lot of guys out there and, and, and girls who want to make digital look like film and it's like don't do that you know that's when <sighs> fi- digital looks like crap you gotta make digital look like digital and then it looks awesome yeah and that's I, what he does
0: I'm glad he understands that he, him and Bay understand because there's a shot and I was watching the behind the scenes stuff um, that shot of um, somebody shooting a rocket launcher and it like does like a, almost like 360 wrap around, and they had built like a GoPro rig of of like um, kind of like the Matrix sort of thing, like bullet time, and I'm like that's cool. And that shot in the film doesn't look like film, obviously. Like shot on film, it's digital. It's a, has a GoPro feeling, and I dig it a lot. And I love that it bring it has a a more realistic feel and fits well in this war movie um, aesthetic. So, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of everything that's going on in this movie. <laughs> everything, um, yeah. every single thing. No. That's too much. Um, okay, I guess we're up to the point where we say, hey, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, Mike, final thoughts on 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi.
2: Um, I think it's a good movie. Like I was saying, I like it more now than the first time that I saw it. I still don't think it's one of Bay's best, but, you know, having gone through like four transformers movies in quick succession and everything it, it is like kind of a nice reprieve from that even if it's not as good as like the first and third one it's still uh, a good movie and i think it shows what bay can do if he wants to
0: yeah <clears throat> this makes me excited for six underground more um because uh well he, he released an instagram video um today where he was promoting the trailer release and he said oh 600 grams is more aching to like my my uh my older films so i'm like oh yeah and this has that vibe this has that vibe of like something that doesn't have you know 10 foot so, uh, 10 foot robots running around anyway um diego what about you final thoughts on 13 hours
1: um, a film critic I really admire, Mark Kermode, is always uh, a delight when he's talking about Michael Bay films because he just can't stand them. <laughs> but uh, I, I, he mentioned that this film was just an exercise in, like, the tech and the action, and I, it's one of the few times I've, like, really hard disagreed with that, with, with his take on a film. And uh, But I also think that it is kind of – it is interested in the tech and, like, the machinery – but only like as an extension of like how the men in the situation are kind of cogs in a, in in the big machine, so to speak of like warfare and how, you know, to, to the higher ups, they can just kind of be funneled through and they'll keep going, but not everyone keeps going. And I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I think it's one of the few Michael Bay movies that I find myself thinking about, like, on a level that's not just like, wasn't it awesome when Optimus Prime ripped off that robot's face, you know? That was awesome. Uh, So yeah, it was, it was the shit, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I would heartily recommend it to people who even did not like Michael Bay films.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll just reiterate, this is top tier Michael Bay for me. Um, I'll reveal where it stands in my final rankings at the end of the series, I guess. But it's I have I've, I've a lot to think about. Um, I rewatched it uh, today, and I'm still impressed by it. Impressed by how quiet it is when it should be quiet. And how, dare I say, perhaps smart it is at times. Um, so yes, it's uh, one of the best I think he's done. Action, of course, is top-notch. That's uh, You come to expect that with a Michael Bay movie. But yeah, I think uh, this hits on pretty much all levels for me. There you go. Oh, real quick. Okay, so budget, $50 million for this movie. Domestically, it made $52 million. Worldwide, it made $69 million. I guess it's no surprise he jumped back into the Transformers franchise after this.
2: I was looking at a thing, and they were talking about, like releasing it on Martin Luther King uh, weekend and everything, and how in uh, prior years uh, they did that with Lone Survivor and American Sniper. Yeah. And uh, both of those, especially American Sniper. It's insane how much money that movie made, But um, especially since it's kind kind of terrible. But, um, you know, those two... Oh, Again, yeah, mo- this is much better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> those two movies uh, were very successful, and this one picked that weekend, that same weekend, because it was kind of, you know, whatever. And this did not perform nearly as well as either of those. Uh, but, you know, the article that I was reading also noted, that, like, it, it's, you know, was way more political than those two were. So that probably had something to do with it, too. So anyway, yeah. it was, wasn't a huge success uh, in that regard
0: disappointing but i understand i mean when you see on the marquee 13 hours calling the secret soldiers of benghazi probably not gonna wanna yeah <laughs> I, you know, yeah uh half of americas be like what they other the half be like all right i guess <laughs> yeah <I'm bad. laughs> yeah hell yeah crack open a budweiser here we go honey um <clears throat> i guess that's it 13 hours what do we do now plugs right we do plugs well we go ahead and do the plugs uh let's go around the table Figuratively, Mike Plugs, hey, where can people listening find you online?
2: Oh, you can find me on uh, my website, filmdamagepod.com, doing a show called Film Damage. You can also find me on thenerdparty.com, doing a show called uh, Retro Perspective, and you can find me on Trek.fm, currently doing a show called Tracks on the Line, Uh, but if you go back and look at uh, the good old Stage 9 podcast, you can find us talking about Quentin Tarantino and a bunch of other people who made Star Trek at one time or another. So, uh, and on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. There you go.
1: Diego, what about you? You can find me at the Diego Crespo on Twitter and the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Patreon, where I'm going through another long retrospective Adam Sandler, Steven Spielberg filmography. It's beautiful and a nightmare at the same time. And I'm very happy to be doing it. Uh, so, so check out all, all that stuff and writing links also over there.
0: There we go. As for me, talk go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash talk society. If you're not already doing so, we have several podcasts out and in the works including Marking the Marks, me and Marcus make a wrestling podcast. That's what that one's about. The Lord of the Rings podcast, Going Helms Deep. Uh, what else? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that's funny. Um, check out Monsters Never Die, that Halloween uh, podcast we released in October. Because uh, that, that's, as of this point, not out yet, but it will be out, and you will have enjoyed it by then, folks. Uh, but yes, talk from society, podcasts, writing, enjoy it, listen to it, read it, Love it, bye bye. (laughs) All right, that's it. Um, now, next episode, Transformers. The wait, the Dark Night, not the Dark Night. No, that's not it. (laughs) The last night, Transformers. (laughs) The last night. Real quick, are you guys excited to revisit the last (laughs) night?
1: I have a take, but you're gonna save it.
0: You're gonna save it. I mean, Mike, you're excited, right?
2: Yeah, I I can tell you that this is one where I went to the world premiere, and I can tell you all about it. On oh, the next episode, yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm not excited.
0: All right, guys, <laughs> thanks, and here we go. Our our closing catchphrase. Here we go three, two, one. You forgot, you forgot your boarding, your boarding pass. Perfect.